I'm well, Bob Crossan, senior managing well, well, editor. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna do the It's thing. been a bit. <laughs> I was gonna do the thing. I know. I thought that I said I thought I was supposed to say my name first, and then I realized I wasn't supposed to say you my need name first. <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday, okay? Okay. Back to the drawing board. <laughs> special episode of Talking Underwater. One water, one podcast. I'm Bob Crossan, Senior Managing Editor for Water Waste Digest. I'm Lauren Del Cello, Managing Editor for Water Quality Products. And I'm Katie Johns, Managing Editor of Stormwater Solutions. So in this episode, we're doing a special episode, as I had said in the November um, episode, that we had an interview planned for you on cybersecurity, um, but the quality of the sound and um, some technical difficulties made it impossible for us to send that interview out to you. However, we did re-record it with Randy Abrams, the senior security analyst for OpsWAT, and we talked a lot about cybersecurity as it relates to utilities, as it relates to water treatment dealers, and um, some stormwater elements in there too. Um, we, we also got some more details on um, deeper cybersecurity elements too, about gap technologies, and just the amount of critical infrastructure that actually is vulnerable as well. So there's a lot of cool information in here, and we really wanted to share that with you, and that's why we made it like up, made it important for us to get this back out to you. So here's our interview with Randy Abrams. And we're here with Randy Abrams. He's a Senior Security Analyst for OpsWAT. And Randy, thank you so much for taking the time to meet with us today and to talk with us a little bit about cybersecurity in the water and wastewater space. It's my pleasure. Yeah, so um, I guess starting broadly, how prepared are water, wastewater, and stormwater utilities for cyber attacks? And um, similarly, how about like small dip businesses like plumbers and water treatment dealers? The smaller companies, organizations are typically not very well prepared at all. And that's part of the problem is because their supply chain. The larger utilities, it varies on their preparedness. But you know, the truth is if someone wants in, they're going to get in. And so for security, segmentation is king. Gotcha. And so what are some of the common risks of cyber attacks? What are things that um, utility uh, professionals and managers should be looking out for when it comes to risks in their systems? Well, to begin with, there's a model called the Purdue model, and that is prescriptive guidance on how to separate the networks. You want to keep the stuff getting into the enterprise zone where the users are as far away from the control systems themselves as possible. Now, the leading attack spearhead is going to be phishing emails, and that's where you need to really try to prevent anything from coming in because that's the spearhead. It's where most of the cyber attacks begin. After that, you're going to want to make sure that if something gets in, it's limited to where it could go. And actually, I say, should say when something gets in because it's going to happen. So you limit access. You have access control. You have air gaps between certain parts of the network, and then it gets 
really complex when you look at the network structure where you have things like demilitarized zones and data diodes and so forth. And you had mentioned um, air gap in there. Could you explain a little bit what that means um, just so that our um, listeners can also understand what that is? Sure. In the old days before the internet, you still had corporate networks and there was no way into them. You were just on the corporate network. And then as we started to get more technology and an interconnectivity, you could go onto the internet and any computer that downloaded malware from the internet could spread it throughout the corporate network. So the idea within an enterprise such as a utility company is to air gap, to segregate the corporate network from the industrial control systems network. So they're kind of like your normal corporate network and then completely isolated from that is an internal network for the control system area. However, complete isolation doesn't work, so you need to have a way to transfer data in and out. And the security of that really depends upon the model. If you have Wi-Fi, that's a recipe for disaster. If you have direct network connections, that's another recipe for disaster. It just blows up the Purdue model. Now, you can use things like kiosks, and a kiosk is something where you can insert removable media, such as a USB drive, even floppy disks, because a lot of the technology is really old in these facilities. And what happens is you can do things such as scanning the data. Um, there's a technology that's been around for quite a while called content disarm and remove, and that just assumes every document's guilty and strips pretty much everything except the text out of it. From there, you can either copy it onto another USB. So you're bridging the air gap by sneaker net, like the old days. But you can also use things like data diodes to upload safe software to a server that's secure. And then the control zone can download that data. Okay, and Randy, what steps can a utility or entity take to mitigate cyber attack risk? You know, one of the important things, really important, is user security awareness training. Although the user is the most porous part of an enterprise defense, you can tighten that up with education. You're also going to want a variety of technologies. We all know about um, perimeter blacklisting, where you say no executables can come in. You want to tighten that up for a variety of other file types, and then the stuff that does get through, you're going to want to have deeper inspection through a variety of different technologies. Once that does get through, which at some point it's going to, then you're going to rely upon your things like um, early detection and response, your segmentation, making sure that the average employee doesn't get into the accounting network, and so forth. And how can utilities, organizations, and entities protect people's data? DLP, data loss protection, is a mature technology that is underutilized. And what that means is that when the data leaves the computer, it's encrypted. If it leaves the organization, it's encrypted so that nobody who does get a hold of it can do anything with it. 
that's probably the leading data protection mechanism there is. I think when we spoke last time, you had mentioned um, the Kaspersky Labs report about the um, frequency of attacks and uh, attempted attacks and stuff like that. Could you speak a little bit to the rise in, cy- in cybersecurity issues as well? Yes, and um, I believe the Kaspersky report didn't actually talk necessarily about numbers, but they did um, investigation. And in 2010, there were 19 vulnerabilities in your SCADA systems, your industrial control systems that were found. By 2015, there were 189 vulnerabilities in these systems, and 49% of them had a medium severity, which medium severity in such a critical environment, I would call extremely severe. Yeah, that's pretty wild, especially with there's such a huge movement toward um, smart water systems and smart cities and the amount of data that cities are pulling in from their devices now is so much greater and how much of that is going to be AI and uh, machine controlled in the future too is also like it really presents this as a, a critical piece to make sure that your system is safe. Yes, it certainly does. And I mean, speaking to the vulnerabilities, probably every security expert in the critical infrastructure knows about Stuxnet, which um, exploited a variety of vulnerabilities and eventually got to the control systems and they were able to put the nuclear research out of commission. Awesome. So what are some organizations that are creating security standards regarding this and where where can people go if they're looking for some more resources to understand cybersecurity risk and um, how to mitigate it? There are a variety of resources available. Um, Governing.com actually has a lot of good information and uh, some of the controlling entities which there's a lot of government regulation coming into play in 2021. You're going to want to look at a variety of these sources to determine what kinds of information are applicable to you. So there's no one single site that you can look at this to find it all, but like any robust research, you need to find a variety of sources, and these are some starting points. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Randy, and apologies that the the first go didn't really work out the way we intended, but we're happy that we were able to get you back on the line. Well, it was fun the first time, just as much fun the second time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. Okay, thank you. Thanks again, Randy, for taking the time to talk with us. Um, we, again, apologize for ha- having the snafu before, but we, like I said at the beginning of the episode, we really wanted to include Randy's comments with all of you, our listeners. Um, Lauren and Katie, what did you guys pull from that? I think we really had a valuable experience talking with Randy about some aspects of uh, water security that we don't always have a deep knowledge of or understanding. So we really thank Randy for his time and what he's taught us on the podcast. I agree. And I think it was helpful to learn what steps a utility or entity can take to kind of mitigate the cyber attack risks. So thanks, Randy, for your input. It was really helpful.
Yeah. And not just the utility side, but also the private business side mm-hmm. for water treatment dealers and stuff like that. Like, I think it's just, just as critical because they have very, they have private people's information with their home addresses and phone numbers and names and stuff and credit card information, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff to keep, uh, keep safe there too. So, yep. but yeah, uh, thanks again for, uh, Randy to, um, conduct the interview. And if you are interested in talking to us more about this subject or any of the subjects that we've covered, drop us a line at talkingunderwater at sgcmail.com or you can visit us on our Twitter account, which is T-U-W-Pod, correct? At T-U-W-Pod? Yeah, T-U-W-Podcast. So at T-U-W-Podcast. And we also have a Facebook group, which you can search for on Facebook. All of those are also linked in the show notes on all of our websites. So thank you so much, and Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Water Nerds. Happy 2020.